excited tonight. Uh, we're, we're getting into a series this month uh, called The New Normal. How many of you saw the ad in the newspaper for it? That's why you're here tonight. Or you just, nobody saw the ad. I guess I want sympathy here. <laughs> we'll talk to the communications team about that. And, uh, but uh, how many of you knew that we were talking about that tonight? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So everybody was aware that uh, that is something that we're getting into. And I don't know how many of you were aware, but our teenagers are having the same conversation tonight. And um, the goal of tonight, what we are wanting to accomplish, is to equip you. And we want, we, we want to begin a conversation between you and your, your child, or it may be a grandchild, it may be a friend or a neighbor, uh, but just hopefully giving you some information and equipping you uh, to, to have a conversation about some of these uh, topics that are, that are very prevalent in the news today and, and in media, uh, if you turn on TV, radio, anything, uh, if you have Netflix, it doesn't matter what form of media it is. Our, our friend from Time Warner can attest to that. It's, it's everywhere. He's not responsible for it, but it's it's out there, you know, and um, our kids are being impacted by that. I mean, we have, just looking in the headlines, uh, you know, over the last few weeks, of course, we know about the Supreme Court decision, uh, redefining marriage, uh, the whole issue of transgender transitioning and all of the things that that entails. Racism in America is another very, very hot uh, topic right now, and it's something that we all are confronted with. Um, the Hillary Clinton investigation. You know, I looked in the headlines today. I just I just Googled headlines today. What, what's in it? You know, first thing this morning, that was one of the first things that popped up. And the list goes on and on. So, you know, the question that we ask is how do we as, as Christians, whether we're parents or not, how do we respond to all of those things? What is the proper response from us individually? And what is the proper response uh, from the church? And i got to be honest with you, as Pastor Scott and I were talking about this, you know, historically, our response has been silence. Uh, it's just something, I mean, I know, you know, growing up, that's just not something we talked a lot about or at all about in my house. You know, it just was something, it was there, but it just wasn't something that, that came up and it wasn't something that we, that we really talked about. But it wasn't in my face the way it is in our children's face today. It's one thing to be in the face of this generation. It's a whole other thing being in the face of our, of our coming generations, the, the children in the riot, the, the students that were signed up for classes tonight in the foyer. Uh, they're being bombarded with this stuff. And so, you know, we don't have the option of being silent. We don't have the option of saying nothing. Uh, and, you know, when we think about our teenagers and we think about uh, what they're hearing and, and even the relationship that they have or maybe the, the communication that goes on in the home, 
I was thinking about that, and, and I, I shared with Pastor Scott. I said, you know, I just I wanted to get an idea, sort of a litmus test, without taking a survey on my own. So I found a, an interesting and very telling little survey uh, that was online. It was placed online through a Sunday school class, a, a lady named Miss Imogene Frost from Brookside, New Jersey. Uh, she has a Sunday school class full of 10-year-olds. And here's what she asked. She said, what's wrong with grown-ups? I want you to share what you see as a 10-year-old child is wrong with grown-ups in the day and age that we live in. And here were some of the responses. Um, and it was primarily what were the things that they would complain about. Uh, we, have, we have several seats up here at the front, guys, if y'all want to come up. You're more than welcome to. We'll, we'll let you. All the badges took the back, so I had nothing left. <laughs> um, uh, there are some seats. If you got some seats uh, in between you, or maybe you could scoot in or something and, and allow some seating uh, for these folks as they come in, that'd be awesome. Uh, but here's what they said. Grown-ups make promises, and then they forget about them. Or else they say it wasn't really a promise. It was just... Amazing. How many of us parents have said when they ask if a friend can spend the night or they can have, you know, that Red Ryder BB gun or whatever it is they're looking for? Well, maybe, you know, we'll see. My, my out, uh, Pastor Scott, is always, uh, let me talk to your mom about it. <laughs> Another thing they said was grown-ups uh, don't do the things uh, they're always telling children to do, like pick up their things or be neat or always tell the truth. Grown-ups never really listen to what children have to say. They always decide ahead of time what they're going to answer. Grown-ups interrupt children all the time and think nothing of it. But if a child interrupts a grown-up, oh boy. We are going to get it if we do that. And then the last one that I thought was probably the most impactful for me of all of the ones I read on the list. The children, these 10-year-old children say grown-ups are always talking about what they did and what they knew when they were 10 years old. But they never tried to think what it's like to be 10 years old right now. Man, that made me take a step back and really think about my own home and my own children and the way that I communicate with them and the way that I talk with them. One of, if I may, Pastor Eddie, one of the things, if, you, if you've never been to the bridge before, or maybe uh, as, as a lady over here used to come to Whitley, but now is coming back has been gone a little while. You know, one of the things we try to try to do is to just speak the truth of the Word of God plainly. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers, but in 2011, we had Porn Week here at the bridge. Anybody remember that? Yeah, and it, and it wasn't uh, anything untoward. It was just we, we wanted to address this issue of pornography. The average age that pornography is first witnessed now, I don't know if you know this, about seven or eight years old. 
And these, you know, it, this little survey was 10 year olds. So this is two or three years before that. So we need to speak as a church. And what we want to do is equip you as parents and peers and people that have, we heard about grandkids and uh, all that. You know, when you've got kids within your sphere of influence, we want to equip you to be able to speak to them the truth about these things. Absolutely. So, so where do we begin in this conversation? Where does it, where does it start? Um, you know, and when, we, when we think about these issues, we think about these topics, the tendency is to begin with the symptom of the problem. Because everything that I mentioned a moment ago is a symptom. It isn't the problem. At the core, the problem is what we want to discuss tonight. We want to we want to lay a foundation tonight, and uh, that will that will give us a base, so that as we discuss this over the next three weeks, we're going to continue to build on what we talk about, but always able to go back to the foundation, because if we give you all this information and there's no foundation, then we look like this, and we teeter, and we totter, and we do fall down, okay? And we have to be able to speak to this effectively. So, with that being said, uh, and it's in your notes there, uh, Matthew chapter 22 is where we want to begin tonight. In Matthew chapter 22, as we, as we talk about uh, building this basis for, for how we speak to our kids about the things that are going on in the world around us. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and, and the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, one translation says he was a lawyer, tested him with this question. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment of them all. And when Jesus did that, he was quoting a passage in the Old Testament. Does anybody know what passage it's from? It's from Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It's a commandment in the law that was given by God. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But then he says something else. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So love God and love your neighbor. And then he says something in verse 40 that's very powerful. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So in verse 36, we see... He's sharing the greatest commandment of them all. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself because everything hinges on that. So what that means is every law and every prophecy that was given in the Old Testament about the coming of Jesus and all of the laws that Jesus said. Does anybody know what an Old Testament law is? Anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Old Testament laws. Don't smoke. Chew or go with girls that do, right? <laughs> it's Granny's commandments. I, I didn't know that one until I moved down here. <laughs> so so let, let's look for just a moment at the first commandment that's surrounding this whole idea of loving your neighbor 
as yourself. And that is, first of all, and, and that's the first blank there in your notes, to love God. He's called us to love Him. The greatest and most important thing that we can do is love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Nothing is more important than that. It's an internal expression. You can, you can love God and, and have a relationship with Him and walk with Him, but all of that is done internally. It's not something, uh, you know, and, and Jesus even talks about this in the New Testament and says, you know, oh, you know there are those that stand and, 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 and the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law and high priests stand and say, Lord, I am so glad. You remember that? I'm not like other men. You know, and, and, and they're proud and they're pious and they're standing on the street corner letting everybody know who they are and, and what they stand for. But when you are walking with God and you have a true encounter with God, you're walking that thing out in humility. You're not, you're not constantly throwing that in somebody's face. Now you are letting uh, people know that you're a believer because that is, the Bible says, faith without works is dead. But it's so important that we understand that's an internal thing. Loving God begins with a personal relationship with Jesus. It isn't something Pastor Farrell can do for you. It isn't something that I can do for you or Pastor Scott or anybody else on this staff. It's not something that a praying parent. We got, lot, we got some teenagers in here tonight. You're praying, your mom and dad, your praying parent, that person that's caring for you, your grandmother, whoever it is, they can't do that for you. They don't stand in that place as a liaison and as your relationship with God conduit, okay? You have to do that all by yourself. Your relationship with God is individual. It, it's each and every one of ours, you know, and that's... That's one of the beautiful things that we've seen with Pastor Scott and Sherry being here and really connecting um, not just the wives, uh, and, and you husbands may attest to this or agree with this, but, you know, we're guilty of making work in the church kind of feminine. You know what I'm saying? Think about kids' church. We talk about bridge kids. We're sitting in here. Isn't this set neat? They got all this stuff. I feel like I want to set a Batman, you know, and all this stuff going on, waiting on Robin to come out. But, uh, but you know, we think about bridge kids, and we, we think about, um, you know, what that involves. Bridge kids involves working where? Somebody that works in bridge kids, where do you work? Preschool. Where else? Nursery. What do you do in the nursery? <laughs> How many of you men are dumb enough to raise your hand tonight and say that's woman work? <laughs> yep, we got some smart men in the room. You got to be pretty brave to do that kind of thing, man. You know, it's brave women, some brave men that are doing it. That's right, exactly. But it's not a woman's no. job, right? I mean, you, you dads that are at the house now and you got children in that time in their life, I guarantee you, you're helping out with that duty. There's a hazmat suit involved. That's right. That's right. But it's not, it, you know, we we kind of, and, and we've been guilty as the local church to kind of look to the ladies. Because they tend to go, oh, I don't mind doing that. I'll do that. 
Men, we got to step up. We got to step up to the plate. That's just a little aside right there. But I want to encourage you. This thing is, is for all of us. And this whole idea of loving God and being in a relationship with Him is for men and for women. We don't let the lady take care of all the Jesus stuff. We don't let her take care. And that's a very Southern thing. I can say that because I, I, I grew up in that kind of culture where, you know, the, the ladies took the kids to church and I stayed home and plowed the garden or whatever it was I wanted to do or went fishing, you know. But, man, I'm so glad because I see so many men in here tonight that you understand that. This is something that both of you cultivate together and it makes your relationship stronger. And the love that we're talking about is an agape love. You ever heard that word before? There are three different types of love that the Bible describes. It's agape, A-G-A-P-E. -E. And there's eros love, which is a old baby kind of love, you know. And then there's a phileo love. And phileo is a P-H-I-L-E-O. But it is a friendship Love. And we're not going to get into all of that. We're not going to define all of those tonight. But when this passage talks about loving God, he says, I want you to agape me. And there's a reason I did my arms like that. So what's he saying? What is agape love? I know Pastor Scott knows what that is. Tell him what agape love is. <laughs> Unleash God. <laughs> it's an unconditional love. It's you lay down, I mean, God laid down everything for you, right? Sent his only son for you. And what he wants in return is for you to do the same thing. Submit every aspect of your life to him uh, and turn over every part, every, every corner, every crevice of your heart, you know. Um, I know I've got corners in my heart that haven't seen the light of day in a long time. And there's some stuff back in there. That I stuck back in there because it hasn't been in the light of day uh, for a while. So, you know, submission to God, loving God means that you turn over your heart to Him and you become His, really His servant. And so, what is, well, I'm not going to share that. What is the result of turning our heart over to God? What is the result of loving God? I said that's, in, that's internal. But then he says something else. He said there is another, and it is like it, but it is loving our neighbor as ourselves. What is the cousin to this particular verse of Scripture right here? It's found in the Sermon on the Mount, where, where God says, do unto others, right, as we would have them do unto us. And what do we call that? The golden rule. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And so, internal, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. External, love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, we can't hide. I can't tell you that I love God and you wonder. Pastor Scott can't say, man, I've sold out to Jesus and you never really know if he is or isn't because there's something that follows that. Pastor Jeremy, uh, he can't say that either. The thing that follows someone being sold out to God, because here's what we're talking about when we talk about loving God and loving our neighbor. We're talking about lordship. It is put, allowing God to be on the throne of your heart. 
giving him preeminence in everything you are and everything you do. And if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, what are you going to do? What is a natural output of that? Love others. You, you won't be able to help it. It will be a natural response to loving God with all of your heart. You will love other people because the love that God has placed in you and the love that God cultivates in you compels you to do that. It compels you to love other people. And again, now we're building this foundation. So when we talk about loving others, go ahead, Pastor Scott. Well, I was just going to say, I'm a, I'm a word picture guy. Some of you guys know I just think that way. And what Pastor Andy is talking about is really, and the cross is the best example of what he's describing. So the vertical part of the cross, right, is like your relationship with God. And the horizontal part is like your relationship with others, right? And, and what we're talking about, the, the basis that we're building in the, the foundation we're building is that the importance of that vertical relationship. If your relationship with God is not solid, and, and I'm not saying perfect now, please don't hear it that way, because none of us are. And if you think you are, then you're not, because you think you are, okay? The, ver the vertical part, though, is, is your relationship with God. And if, if this relationship is not where it needs to be, and you find out whether or not it needs to be when you feel that conviction that only the Holy Spirit brings. Right? There's aspects of every one of our lives that we still need to work on. And that's firming up that vertical relationship. When that's where it needs to be, then the horizontal relationships, just like on the cross, if the vertical part of the cross is not solidly planted and firmly planted in the ground, the horizontal part, which is to be supported by the vertical, it can't be where it needs to be. If you don't have that vertical part there, what happens to the horizontal part of the cross? It's like a log on the ground, right? Just not where it's supposed to be. So that vertical part is what we're talking about. I have a word picture too. Yeah. I found this. Somebody else wrote it, but I'm gonna share it with you. It's pretty it's pretty uh it's pretty graphic. It seems to demand that I tear the skin off my body, wrap it around another person so that I feel that I am that other person. And all the longings that I have for my own safety, health, success, and happiness, I now feel for that other person as though he were me. Man. It's a really great description of empathy. Yep. When you think about loving somebody, when you think about what does agape love look like? Uh, Florida Air flight 90 smashed into a frozen lake in the middle of a snowstorm and killed every passenger on board but six. 20 minutes later, a helicopter arrived to rescue the survivors. After getting one man to safety, the helicopter threw a life ring to a man named Harlan Williams, who immediately gave it to the passenger next to him. When the helicopter came back for a third time, he did the same thing again and the same thing again. When the helicopter came back a final time, Harlan was dead. He had used his last ounce of strength to save a complete stranger. And I'm not saying that God's calling us to do that, but when we talk about 
unconditional love. You know, when you think about that person in your life, you know, that you would just do anything for. That the, the mama or papa bear kind of comes out in you. You know, you ever had that happen? When I was, before I was married and, and before we had children, I was passive to a fault. I would just, I didn't want any kind of conflict. I didn't want to get into any kind of anything. And I don't get out of control with it, but dude, if you mess with my kids, you will see a side of me you've never seen, you know? We, I mean, we just, call him Angry Andy. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, this love right here that compelled this man to take this very dramatic step and, and one that maybe most of us will probably never encounter, will probably never experience what these people experienced on that flight. And I don't know the thought process. I don't know what was behind that. We're just saying that when we talk about this, this is such a big deal. We read this. We read love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I've been guilty of doing it. And we just kind of gloss over it. We keep on going, okay, I know that I'm supposed to love God. I know I'm supposed to love y'all. That's great. But he says in this passage of Scripture in verse 40 that everything, the law and the prophets, hang on this command. Everything in the Old Testament is hinged by that truth right there. That's a big deal. And that's why we're making such a big deal about it. And that's why we lay that as the foundation of how we respond to what is going on in the world around us. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that whatever comes down the pipe, whatever we see in media, whatever anybody wants to do, well, we look, we just love everybody. And then we love you. And if you believe there's a million ways to heaven, we love you. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus loved us so much and knew so distinctly that he was the only way to heaven, the only way to the Father. And he taught that and he believed it so much and was, had such conviction about it that he died for strangers, for people who, well, he knew them, but they didn't know him. And that picture of what that man did in that, in that frigid water pales in comparison to what Jesus did for you and I. But it's a big deal for him, and it needs to be a big deal for us and love sometimes hurts, doesn't it? Sometimes when we are walking in love, it's painful for the people we're loving. But if, if we really love, we're going to be truthful and we're going to be honest. So he's called us to love others. Lordship. And so that's, that's number two there. Love God, love others. And then number three, love fulfills. Love fulfills. Um, if you look at Romans chapter 13, and I believe I put that on your handout as well, verses 8 through 10, it says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Our continuing debt is to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 
See, if we love other people, if we show love, if we put on that billboard out there that we've got all kind of pushback for, I saw it today, I looked up at it and just smiled. For you can belong before you believe. It got Pastor Scott a lunch appointment. So, um, and we get a lot of pushback on that, but, but loving people saying, you know what, here's what belong before you believe means. Belonging before you believe means that you can come here and we're going to love you right where you are. Because that's where Jesus first loved me. He loved me exactly where I was with all the, the stuff and junk and, and messed up thinking that was up in this noggin of mine. He loved me right where I was. And that's what we mean when we say that. You can come in here and you're going to be loved. I think about the woman at the well. Andy, when you talk about that, and uh, you know, Jesus uh, pointed out what she needed to do differently, if you remember that, um, but before he started talking about her life and what she needed to do differently, he built relational equity with her, and what I mean by that is he, he pursued her and spoke with her and got to know her from her perspective, he was getting to know her anyway, he already knew, right, what was going on, but he was letting her know that he was getting to know her. And then, once he had that relationship with her, he had the authority from her perspective to speak into her life and then say, go and sin no more. So what we've been doing at the church for a number of years is just saying, go and sin no more. Because you're a sinner. But what we need to do, and that's why Pastor Andy brought up that saying that billboard where you can belong before you believe is to build relationship with people and pursue people and love them right where they're at. Now, loving people right where they're at doesn't mean that we condone the behavior, right? But we meet them where they are and speak to them and love them and help them to feel that they've found a place as a branch that they belong, they can be a part of. And then we have the authority to speak to them about their lifestyle. How long, how many times do we forgive? How many times do we, what, what does this verse say? It says, accept the continuing debt of love that we have one for another. That's, that's, that verse right there says, our debt to love each other never ceases. It is always there. So it's that continuing debt that we have. And if we love God and love others, then love fulfills the law in us. And here's what that looks like. It says in verse 9, The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself, because love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. See, if we're loving God and we're loving our neighbor, guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to step out. I'm not going to step out with my brother's wife because I love my brother. And my love for him compels me to not do that. It compels me to not lie or cheat or steal or all those other things. Everything 
follows this command that takes precedent over everything else. See, the reason we talk about this tonight, if this isn't in place, it doesn't matter what we say and it doesn't matter what we do to share the truth with people in the world about where they are. If we don't love God, if we don't love our neighbor, and we don't sincerely walk that out in our life, it doesn't matter what I tell somebody who is in uh, any of these situations of sin. And sin is sin. Sin is anything that separates us from God. Okay? But what we do is we, we, put, we put labels on sin and we qualify that sin and we give it degrees of severity. And we say, oh, that's a worse sin than this sin. That, that thing over there, man, that one makes me shudder. But this one over here, I'll give no attention to. And that's wrong. What we have to do is love God, love others, and then we will fulfill that thing. And that's where we point people who are walking in darkness, is we point them to the truth. We point them to Jesus and he takes care of everything else. It's not standing on a street corner or, or getting in somebody's face with a sign and saying, you're a homosexual and you're going to bust hell wide open. That doesn't help anybody. But if we love them and say, listen, you're where you're at, I'm where I'm at. Let me tell you about somebody I met about 20 years ago and what he did in my life. Would you like to meet him? And let him meet Jesus. Because there's a news flash I got for you. You're not saving anybody. That was never the mandate given to any of us. We don't, I've never saved a soul. Our mandate is to point them to Jesus. One of, one of the best ways that we can make people feel like they belong is to help them to understand that the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And what I mean by that is there's no sin that's worse than another, as Pastor Andy just talked about. There's nothing that you can do that God can't redeem you of. Okay. Now, understand, I, I understand, and, and let me just explain this. There are consequences of some of the sins that we commit that are more dire than others. Sexual sin results in consequences that are more dire than others because Paul says those are the, the other sins that we engage in may be external, but a sexual sin is an internal. The consequences are internal and very deeply can scar us. <clears throat> and I know in a room this size, there's some people that would say amen to that. Because you're dealing with it. But, if, but understand, if you, if you can invite folks to the bridge and help them to know that they're not going to be judged here, okay? Now, that's a, that's a hot topic, too, for another time. About what does that mean? What's it mean in Matthew 7 where it says, judge not lest ye be judged? What's that all about? Right? Because that's the scripture that people like to throw out when they're sinning and they don't want to be convicted of it, okay? But the thing to do, the reason that we say this is a place where you can belong before you believe, 
is so that people will come to the foot of the cross. The only thing that should be offensive to anybody that walks in the doors of this church is the gospel. And when I say the gospel is offensive, what I mean by that is it's going to take you and it's going to break your heart for whatever you've been doing and make you desire to want to do something different. Amen. Amen. Well, and when we, you know, when we thought about this journey that we're, that we're going to be taking this month, you know, I, just, I really pray because I really want this to be impactful. I don't want it to just be informational. I want it to be life-changing. I want it to change me. And, and I don't know what God has spoken to you during this time, but as I was preparing for this, and I, I told Pastor Scott this uh, yesterday, man, God wore me out. When I failed the love, I've broken His command. And I think the place that we have to begin as we go on this journey together is we, we've got to start at a place of repentance. We, I, I had to repent individually, but we also repent for the, the conduct of this nation and the way that we view um, all of these things, the way we view life and its sanctity or, or the lack thereof. And, and the reason that I say that, and, and you may go, what are you talking about? Repent, I I don't struggle with any of the things that you were talking about tonight. But God told Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, he said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you the only thing that's going to heal our land is a move of God in this nation. And let it begin at the Bridge Church on August the 5th at 745 on a Wednesday night where he stirs our heart and we say, God, forgive us for what we have done. Forgive me, Lord, for my silence. Forgive me for looking at others and saying, well, that's, that's their problem. It's not my problem. One of the things that I share in Broken Chains, and that's a good sign. You just saw me put that down. That's good. I'm done with that. But one of the things that I always say in Broken Chains is, guys, you know that God is moving and working and doing uh, some things in your life that is that are causing you to go forward out of the bondage of addiction. When you get to the place where you stop pointing your finger at everybody else and blaming everybody else or saying, well, that's somebody else's problem, and we begin to look inwardly and say, God, let it begin in me. Forgive me for my prayerlessness. Forgive me when I haven't loved as I should. Forgive this nation. And, and we sincerely pray for our leaders. Pray for those that are making these decisions and ask God to touch their heart. Have we really 
if we're honest tonight, if I'm honest with you tonight, one of your pastors here at the bridge, have I done that the way I should have? No. I've been guilty of, I've done it, but to the, to the degree and level, have I complained a lot? Yeah. I've been guilty of doing that. I've been guilty of looking at the television and saying, man, I, what in the world? And then we, you know, we get our cup of coffee and we sit with our buddies and we, we talk about how aggravated we are about everything. But have we really gotten real with God and said, Lord, we're going to seek your face? Lordship, as Andy is talking about, it's going to result in the changes that he's referring to. You know, ranting and raving on Facebook about how broken we are is not helping. But do you have neighbors that live next to you and you don't know their names? That you haven't wielded your influence with them? You know, if we, if we would focus more on this lordship issue that Andy and I are talking about and allow God to work in our own lives and convict us of things. Some of them might be some of the issues we're going to continue to discuss later on in these weeks coming up. I'm going to talk about sexuality next week. But, you know, if, if the Lord is not the Lord of our lives, right, then we are not going to get that conviction in those areas. It's not an issue of whether or not, you know, that there, there can be healing and all the And I'm not just talking about those issues, the ones that we've brought up that we're going to cover in this. But maybe the issue is you don't want to talk to your neighbor because your neighbor scares you. Right? He's got lots of guns or like I fire off a potato cannon every once in a while. I know that freaks my neighbors out, you know. But, but you know, this conviction that comes when, when, you, when you realize whether or not the, 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 the Lord is the Lord of your life, if you get that right through the repentance that Andy's talking about, and many of these issues are resolved. Really quickly, I, I, I heard a story of a pastor in New York City you know, of a church that was growing by leaps and bounds. And he would have a lot of new believers come to that church. New folks that were just curious, folks that had just come to Christ. And after the service, they'd all gather around him, 20, 30 people after every service, gather around him right at the altar and ask him questions. And he had one lady ask him a question one time. He said, you know, she said, I've been coming to this church a little while now, a few weeks, and I, and I really like what I'm hearing you teach, and, and I'm thinking about becoming a member, but I'm a lesbian. So what do you say to that? Can I become a member of this church? And he looked at her and said, you know, ma'am, I think you're asking the wrong question. If you've been coming to this church for any length of time, and I would say this is true about the bridge as well, if you've been coming to this church for any length of time, we know, you know that we teach the Word of God and that Jesus is the Lord of this church. And so if Jesus is the Lord of this church, well, then you must agree that and know that Jesus must be the Lord of our lives. And if Jesus is the Lord of your life, capital L, that means he touches and influences every single part of your life. And so you can't have Jesus be the Lord of your life and not have him influence that part of your life. Now, in this case, it was her sexuality. And I don't know how that result, what that resulted in, whether she stayed and, and was, was convicted of that lifestyle or, or struggled, still struggled later. I don't know what the end of that story was. But I say that to say the issues that you see 
in the media, the issues that you're struggling with, the, the symptoms, as Pastor Andy, one of the first things he talked about tonight, the symptoms are not the problem. Because you can deal with symptoms all day long. But the, it's not going to get to the root of the problem. The issue is lordship. Neither one of us are sitting up here saying we got it all figured out. And if you know us, you know that's true. Amen. All right. <laughs> all right. Evidently, Pastor Jeremy. Pastor Jeremy knows that too. So, but but the, the issue is not what you're struggling with. The issue is are you allowing the Lord into that area? To heal you, to to free you, maybe, to help you walk out with fear and trepidation, your salvation. Sometimes you still have that thorn in your side, right? There's things that we struggle with, and sometimes the Lord frees us from them, and other times we struggle with them our whole life. But if Jesus is truly the Lord, and Lordship is what we're talking about, then you can learn walk out through that trouble, through that trial, through that tribulation, and walk that out in a way that brings honor and glory to God and influences the people within your sphere of influence, and that is what will make a difference. Well, um, get choked up here while he's talking, but I just want to ask you a question. Do you understand why this tonight is so important. What we're saying tonight is so important for my life because the kids that are in these buildings back here are watching us. They're hearing teaching, they're getting, you know, two, three hours a week. They're coming to a, a lot of stuff. But they're with us the rest of the time. They're watching. They're watching how we react, how we respond, what we say, what we do. I read that list at the beginning of this night and I thought about my kids and I said to them, there have been times that they could say that to me. There have been times in my life raising them that they could look at their dad and say, you know, yeah, he, yeah, he tells us what to do, but he doesn't do what he tells us to do. He doesn't listen. He tells me what he did when he was 10, but he has no idea what it's like to be 10 now. And they're right. And I tell you, I, my daughter, many of you know, she's away now in school, and she was... Uh, <coughs> Asked out on a date. Almost bought a plane ticket. <laughs> to go meet this person. Private plane so you can bring a gun. That's right. right. That's right. And she was telling me some things about this person that was interested in this child that I have given my entire existence to raise as best I could. And there were just some things that were just, I mean, red flags like crazy going up. Uh, she's 19 years old. She lives 10 hours away from me and something else Pastor Scott and I were talking about. Not so much in a relationship with her now where I'm telling her what to do but just giving some advice. Guiding. 
hopefully she's listening. Well, um, I don't know why this upsets me, but it's a good thing. I was concerned, and I just I gave her some words of caution, this, that, and the other. Prayed, and God heard me from heaven. <laughs> God, God kind of put her off, just never called her back. Like, yes, I was dancing on the other end. She didn't know it, but I was, man, it was a terrible looking. I'm glad nobody was videoing it, but I was, I was so happy. Her mom was talking to her, telling her what had happened, and she said this. She said, you know, Dad told me there were some things he was concerned about in this guy. He said, it probably worked out for the best. And he never called me, and I never went out with him. I want nothing more than for our kids, for this generation that's coming up, to look at us and say, you know, Mr. Troy, who works with me in whatever ministry it is that he may serve in, he said something to me the other day, and the kids were saying that I should do that, but you know, he, he says that's not a good idea. He walks with God, and he loves Jesus. And I'm going to listen to that. Guys, if we don't influence him, there's a world out there waiting to do it. And they're waiting to point them in the most incorrect, deadly, hell-bound direction that they possibly can. And we don't preach hellfire and brimstone, but I'm telling you, there is a heaven and there is a hell, and it is very real. And we teach with passion and preach with passion because we don't want to see anybody Spending eternity separated from God. And so we share this tonight. And repentance is important tonight. Because our kids are looking at us. And saying how are they responding? I know what the Bible says. But if Mr. Dave doesn't respond to it. And he think it's a big deal. Why should I think it's a big deal? Guys let it begin. By what they see from us. I can't think of a greater thing that we could do for the children of the generations that come behind us. We talk about them finding us faithful. Let them find us faithful right now as they look at our lives and emulate what we do. And that builds godly character because we're loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And we're loving our neighbor as ourselves, and they're seeing us do it. Amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? He's worthy. So if you don't mind, stepping on the cord here, if you don't mind, I'd like for you to stand, and if you can, and let's just gather right here at the altar. We're not going to stay here long, but we're going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed. And what I want us to do is just come here and I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to leave the altar open if you want to remain here and you've got some things that you would like to pray about. If you would like Pastor Scott or myself, Pastor Jeremy, we've got some other prayer warriors that are here. Uh, some of the prayer team um, that would be happy to pray with you. And if you would like that, you're more than welcome to do so. But, but I, I just want us to pray and ask God to forgive us 
for our silence. Forgive us when we shy away from these, any issue, any sin whatsoever. And pray that God would give us a boldness to stand for the truth. And then I would like for us to pray for this nation and the leaders of this nation. Whatever you may think of the, of the leadership, we need to pray for them. We need to ask God to help them and to bless them and to give them wisdom. And if, there, if there's some scales that need to be removed, there's something they're not seeing, then ask God. I cannot complain about anything I read or see or hear if I'm not willing to get some calluses on my knees praying for those people that are in those positions for power. So I want us to pray. Pastor Scott, would you lead us in that prayer tonight? And um, I, I'm not going to mandate that you do this, and I, I rarely ever ask you to do anything, but... If, if you're comfortable doing it just as a sign of surrender to God, would you just lift one hand and both hands toward heaven as we pray this prayer of repentance tonight? God, we come before you tonight um, in all humility, God, honestly. Understanding that we all have something that we need to submit to you. And it's real easy for us to look around and look at the media and look at what is the hot topic of the day. And it's so funny because we think we're so advanced and we're so, our civilization is so different. But you see it in the Bible, people in the Bible doing the same thing. You're looking at the hot topic of the day and responding to it in this, in this way that's popular, God. But, but God, we know that responding with you as our as our Lord is not always the popular thing to do. Responding in the way that you would have us respond is not always the popular thing to do. So God, if that's when that's me, not if, when that's me, convict me of that, God. But when I'm not showing you, God, to the people around me, when I'm not influencing them for you, Convict me of that, whatever that looks like. Bring, bring this prayer back to my memory, God, and remind me that you are the Lord of my life, and I need to respond differently. I need to wield the influence that you've given me and the authority that is given to me by you, God, to the people around me and my neighbors, God. And, and, and our neighbors are not just the people outside of our home. Many of the people here tonight, God, I know, have children over at the riot or they have children in other classes here tonight. And God, we're here to learn how to help them address some of these issues that they are facing that we never had to face when they were their age, when we were their age, God. I can't even imagine what some of these little kids have to deal with we never had to do. So God, our neighbors are sometimes our, our closest neighbors are our children. Oftentimes it's our, our spouse. The person that we share a bed with, God, is our closest neighbor. Are we loving them and showing you to be our Lord in the way that we love our spouse? God, I know I don't do that all the time. So convict me of that when it comes. God, 
I pray for our nation. I pray for our leaders. I pray for the leaders of our of our down to the lowest level of government, God, the people that, that, that you've placed an authority over us. And some days, God, I know we look at what is going on in our country and in the world and the decision that the decisions that those leaders are making, and we say, How, how in the world can this be happening? God, we trust you. God, we trust you. And God, you call us to this to submit to the authority under which we were placed. And as much as I don't like it sometimes, God, I know by doing that and walking that out, God, you are working something out in me. You are sandpapering off a rough edge in me when I have to submit to the authority under which I've been placed in this nation when it seems that it just seems crazy, God. It seems crazy. God, we've been reading recently in Chronicles where that there were kings that did the right thing and they tore down Asherah poles and, and honored you, Lord. And then there were kings that went right back to the other way of, of honoring idols before you, God. And, and God, I feel like we're in that part right now in our country, honestly. But God, help us to not be a griping, grumbling people. But people that would rather show you the Lord of our, as the Lord of our lives to the people around us and the way that we respond to everything we have an opportunity to respond to. God, thank you for the people that are here tonight. Thank you for stirring my heart, convicting me, God, of the ways, the things that I, in my life that I know I haven't submitted to you. Thank you for the people that have been affected that way here as well. Thank you for Pastor Andy and his heart. God, we submit this night to you. We submit ourselves to you, our families, our finances, our influence. We submit it all to you. Give it all to you as an offering. Give it to you as an offering. We ask that you bless the rest of our time together these coming Wednesdays. God, I pray someone comes to church for the very first time because they saw that this is what we're going to be talking about and that they meet you. I pray that we meet someone in a couple weeks or a couple of months at, at the coffee shop here or in the, in the back after a service that came to you because we are given the opportunity to speak boldly about these topics. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for this night. Thank you for these people in their hearts. And thank you for your son on the cross. In Jesus' name.